My pool's ready. Haven't been in it, but yep. my pool has been used. It officially has been used, but I have not been in it yet. I don't understand what you do with your life. You don't go in the pool. You don't leave the house. I go will swim wake up. some laps in your pool. Get some exercise that way. It's 90-something today. I mean, do it today. In there. I mean, it might be the one thing. This little subject might be the one thing that finally gets me down there. I'm going to just bust through, run up the driveway, bear hug you, and jump in the pool with you. (laughs) Oh, Oh, and we're back with a splash. A big splash. Although I do have to say, the one video there where I was... Racing in the pool, right on the raft, right. I'm not quite sure what was propelling the raft, but I, I'll yeah, take it. I, well, you got a lot of, you know. Hey, let's start it off the right <laughs> way. You got a lot of hot air up your ass. That's where, okay. <laughs> Jet propulsion style. That's how you won that one there. What's up, man? How you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. It is great to be back, and it will be great. Let me tell you, it will be awesome to have an end to the. Emails that were intensifying, especially the past week. When are you coming back? When are you coming back? And I don't know how many different ways and on how many different platforms I could say Monday, July 25, Monday, July 25. And I answered almost every one of them Monday, July 25. So the best part about maybe the only good thing about the five weeks ending, other than getting to do the show again with you, is that the emails will cease. So everybody... We're back on Peacock, Sirius XM 85, Sky Sports, primetime tonight. And if you're watching it, you know it's 7 o'clock or 7.01, 7.02. Clock is ticking, moving forward. We're eating up the show with a bunch of useless crap, as we always do. Podcast, wherever you get your podcast, we're back. It's great to be back. We're not going anywhere. No days off until we take a day off. Chris, welcome back. Chris, I expected the Gomer Pyle look from you. Uh-huh. First day of school. All right. What are you doing here? I know. Sort I, of a new look. I don't know what shaggy I'm doing. Shaggy Chris. I, going Shaggy Chris. Okay. I, I, I've had. I've like. I've succumbed to my family who just had enough of my old haircut with you know the really short sides and and that whole thing. They they had enough. My wife, my mom, especially my sister, she was piling on me as well. So I was like, all right, I'll start to grow it out and I'm going to go, you know, Johnny traditional haircut here soon. I haven't got it cut since the break. So I'm supposed to get it cut this week and I'm not even sure what I'm going to do yet with this new style and all this hair I got on my head, Mike. <laughs> let, me, let me just say this. Since we are in the trust tree and yeah. we all are family here, I will say this to you. My first thought. When I noticed how thick and lustrous the hair on top was, I was I was inspecting for some sort of supplemental hair system. Yeah, it's one of the, like he's gone five weeks, you know. He shows up, right? And he's got this big old welcome mat on top of his head. Like I'm not sure it's all natural. Yeah, let's I'll reserve judgment. Until you get your hair cut. Okay. But I was a little suspicious. I'm thinking, Chris, you know, he's going to be 42 soon. Right. And, you know, right. it's starting to retreat. The troops are retreating. It looks, it almost looks artificial. I will say that. Well, and if it's not, congratulations. You got more there than I thought you did. Maybe I, you shouldn't be getting it cut so short. I always did have more of this. This is what my, my mom and wife were complaining about. You got such beautiful hair when it grows out and all of that. That's the crap I was hearing. I mean, literally, I'd come home with a new haircut. And, like, if, if my mom or wife saw me, they, I feel like they were like, oh, 
You got a new haircut, huh? So I just I had enough of it. So I'm gonna let it go in. No, I got good hair that way. All right, and and I would never do that, Mike. Don't you know me well enough to know now? I mean, the, I didn't even comb it this morning. This is straight, just fingers through it. And would I come on air the first week if I really cared about it with green hair? I mean, my hair's green. Come on, let's be real. I mean, I'm I'm in the pool every day. I have a nice. It doesn't look shade. green. It's not too bad. Okay, it's no, got it a tint green. of green to it for sure. From being in the chlorine so much, so uh, you I, are you are though dangerously close to the same hair length from your notorious Roger Goodell's evil twin brother. <laughs> I know, photo. I know. That's why you're we're moving gonna, in that direction. We're going to get a cut and make sure we don't look like Roger Goodell. That's for sure. All right. So well, wait, nothing wrong with looking like Roger Goodell. Well, I'm I, not. I'm not yeah, saying that. It's not All a bad thing. Is you, we've established years ago that that photo of you, right? That I'm sure if we keep talking about it, will emerge at some point. Yeah. It looks like an evil version of Roger Goodell, like right. his young brother that is always getting in trouble, is always high. Well, that shoe fits. He's always doing something he shouldn't do. That shoe, shoe fits as well. Always saying things he shouldn't say in places he shouldn't say them. That shoe fits as well. we got lots of <laughs> shoes fitting. Yeah, good, good. Nah, I, I got no problem. Roger Goodell, good-looking guy, no doubt about it. But like, he's not necessarily the beacon of fashion or like hairstyle. So that's what I'm not trying to go for there. I, I'd like to be a hair more edgier than he is i'll take his bank account but i don't necessarily want his hairstyle all right so that's all i'll say <laughs> yeah when you're knocking down 65 million a year there's a lot of things that you used to care about that you probably don't who care cares? about anymore hair is it, shave it all off who cares i'm making 65 million a wait, year. wait right. wait no no all right yet no all right what? yet are you kidding me what? you can't dive into the football yet did you swim in the freaking pool we can't Define have an opening. swim. What? Define swim. All right. Did you get in the pool? Was your body? I got in the pool. It did. My body was in the pool. It's yes. submerged in the water. Okay. That's great. All right. And submerged. Then- submerged. I, that was the evidence that I sent to you on Saturday that I am in the pool. It was a pool day. I sat out there in the heat and it was sunny. Yep. I wanted to get a little bit of a tan. I didn't want to be full Dracula our first day back. So you I actually sat Saturday? outside. Yeah, 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 man. Well, that's the other thing I know. Haze, that, all, all day haze. That's what I. I, I there's weeks. no doubt. I, I for sure <laughs> was like way too much, you know, detox and retox for sure, and way too bad. Sounds with, like more retox than detox. Oh my gosh, definitely. And then way bad, like bad with the phone. You, you know how it is. I don't know. I mean, with kids, family, whatever else. You know, retoxing myself, I, I'm like, I was a bad friend to some friends, right? You know, hey, oh, hey, we'll get together next week. We'll do that. And then, you know, it's just the summer and it flew by. So now I got to catch up because I'm way behind on text, phone, phone calls and all of that. Do your kids still snatch your phone and like mess with it? They're, they're old enough now that they have their own, yeah, right? Yeah, but they do. They will still snatch it from time to time just to like, oh, let me go through your phone and see what's on there that can maybe interest me. But yeah, they got brand new phones. They're certainly not, you know, void of technology. Well, I think most of the times I texted you during the last five weeks, you responded. I think most of the times you did. pretty good, now, right? Yeah. Not right away. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes hours would pass. I think maybe once or twice days passed, but you did at least get back to me. Yeah. That, I mean, that's where it's like it's. I put the phone down at, you know, four in the afternoon, swim in the pool, and then like, okay, 
retox starts to happen, you know, somewhere around 5.30. And then I don't really look at my phone the rest of that night. I just keep looking and go, ah, oh, screw it, or I put it down or whatever. And then the next morning comes and I go, oh, man, all these people called me and text me. I'm such a jerk. I haven't responded. Uh, I had a lot of days like that. So sorry. Definitely nothing personal to anybody out there. That that definitely is your style with texting. Yeah. There will be... Like, I'll send you a text message, and two days later, you'll respond. And I'll respond right away. You'll respond right away. I'll respond right away, and then nothing for two more days. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's what can happen. Exactly right. I'm bad that way. I don't know what it is. And I get sick of my phone when we have the break, and I just know I don't need it a ton. It's like it's joyful just to be without it and not check it every, you know, five minutes. So I guess that's one of the parts of the break that I really do enjoy is getting away from the phone. I don't know. I... I mean, to me, my brain's been completely rewired where I feel like I have to have it at all times. I have to be checking it at all times. It's it's sad. You know, you, you go out on the rare occasions that I do and you see how people are so transfixed by their phones when you take a break from being so transfixed by your own phone to notice that everybody else is trans. Like, like you're walking around like, uh, look at all those idiots looking at their phones. Uh, what else is going on? So anyway. Are uh, you going to be one of those in. idiots at the Hall of Fame game next weekend uh, in an airport, maybe looking at a phone, going there? You think maybe we, we might see each other, you and me? Are we going to be at the Hall I of Fame game? be in an airport because it's only three hours away okay. by car. Okay, and fine. With but the you'll car be that I have, it's more like two hours away. Whoa! Avoid any. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'll be there. All right. I will be awesome. there. Awesome. Awesome. That's good to I know. didn't know that it was officially ready to be announced, but not that anyone cares. Next Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, oh. three straight days, we'll be doing the show together from somewhere in the greater Canton, Cleveland area. I still don't know where, but we'll be doing it there. That means you'll have three days to punch me, to mangle me, to put those giant meat hooks on me that you're trying to use delicately to fix your IFB. I don't know. But, yes, next week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, in advance of the Hall of Fame game next Thursday night, Raiders-Jaguars on NBC. We've got a one-hour pregame show. So we are back here, and we'll be back with the NFL on NBC coming up in about 10 days. By the way, there's a new YouTube page for the NFL on NBC. What previously had happened was, wow, look at that. There's music, too. There was one NBC Sports bucket, and now we're making a new bucket with just NFL content. So you will see PFT Live. Hi, Kirk. It's a Kirk of Cousins. Hey, you'll Kirk see Cousins. Chris Sibbs unbuttoned. You'll see all of the stuff. That I don't think that's an actual subscriber count, but maybe it is. Maybe it is. Maybe this promotion right now is driving the subscribers through the roof, baby. But it's available now. Go subscribe, NFL on NBC. That's where you can get the video content for all the stuff, all the NFL related NBC stuff. Plenty of videos of Chris messing with the cord that leads to the thing in his I don't know what's going on. Like, you went really low on me. You know what I mean? I know that's where I can hear you, but it's like, it's low. So I just, it's like a bad connection. I don't know if it's a bad old earpiece I got or what. So I might need a new one. Or maybe all that weed is affecting your ear. I don't. I don't think maybe it is. It was it. all clean. I don't know what was like. We checked it all before the show, and then like we had a minute right before the show where it got bad on me, and like you're just low. I can hear you, but we're good. So let's just get it going. For the first time ever, or at least that I can remember, I actually was in the chair before Chris. They asked us to be early today, and I was early. 
Not by much. I didn't beat you by much, but I beat you. You so, beat you beat uh, me, and I was shocked. I mean, I really thought one, like zero. I thought it would be typical, like you know, like you were going to be like, oh, screw them. I'm not getting there any earlier. I'm going to show up at six fifty eight. We'll figure it out. But you were like six fifty eight. Wow. Come on, six fifty nine. You're right. I, Before the break, it, it was like that. It had become like this game where I wanted to see how far I could push it, like the 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 Seinfeld where Kramer's test driving the Saab and he wants to see how far he can push it before it completely runs out of gas. Like how, how close can I, can I make it to getting here just before the show starts? So I'll get back to that point for now though. It's first day. I don't want to stress. Yeah. What a out. teacher's pet. You Today's were sitting in your chair day. like six forty-five. Oh my gosh. What a Today's the first day. I couldn't wait. I was excited. I missed you. I missed this. Five weeks is too long. I said this last week on one of the various PFT OT episodes that I did during the five weeks. That you, remember you were on it a couple of times. Yes. Oh, no, wait, you weren't. I I oh. said next year there will not be a five week break. Yeah, there will not no be a pull. five. Five weeks is too long. No pull for you. Sorry, and I like five weeks. It's perfect. So shut up. All right, we're good. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, five years. The magic number for the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray. This is kind of news still. I mean, a lot of stuff happened that we want to weigh in on over the past five weeks. But the Kyler Murray contract announced on officially Friday with a press conference from Kyler Murray, Arizona Cardinals. We all sensed it was moving in this direction. When all the noise ended not long before the draft, it's like, okay, he's made his point between his agent's manifesto and not following the Cardinals on social media and the ugly back and forth remember super bowl sunday that report from chris mortensen that just throwing all sorts of stuff at kyler murray for being immature and selfish and that all had worked itself out it was just a matter of time before they worked out a long-term deal and they did that was the big news at the end of the week a five-year extension 230.5 million dollars on top of two years that he's already got so it's seven years and it's like 256. It works out to just under 38 million per year. You're going to hear, oh, 46.1 million. More, more money than Deshaun Watson. I broke it down last week. The Deshaun Watson deal is better. Deshaun Watson was in a better circumstance. He was essentially a free agent that had four teams vying for him. So he was able to max it out that way. Kyler Murray had two years left, two years of the franchise tag. He was four years from being in a position where he was essentially a free agent, unless he was going to make a power play to get out of Arizona. So he did the best deal he could under the circumstances, Chris. Right. You know, he, he, he got the contract that we expected he was going to get. Definitely got the contract we expected. I mean, again, I, I never doubted that this one was, was, you know, not going to happen. I did not. I just felt like, Hey, we had talked about this a lot through the spring, Arizona was was too far into the making the bed for Kyler Murray business. I mean, it, again, the offense itself is orchestrated around a guy, Kyler Murray, same system he ran in college, the relationship with Cliff Kingsbury, all the receivers spread the field. It all makes sense for his skill set. They've built and set up the organization through Kyler Murray. So that's where I just went, man, okay, I just I can't imagine it not happening I know there was their little tussles and all that. And I think at the end of the day, Mike, the one thing that I think you and I can both agree on, because I know you love Kyler Murray, I do too, is that, hey, they got one, right? They got one. They got one as far as a guy that is a big-time franchise quarterback. 
And to me, you just don't let that guy out the door. No way, no how. He's special. You know, maybe not top five yet, but he's top ten-ish for sure. And I think he has the type of ability that you and I both see to where we go, damn, he can be top five-ish when it's all systems go and he's playing really good football. So, you know, from that standpoint, uh, I think it was a no-brainer for the Arizona Cardinals and not a bad deal for them altogether, like you said, because of the extra two years uh, left on this contract. I mean, they were undefeated deep into the season. Yep. He was the MVP betting favorite by far. They had a great start to the season. The problem with the Cardinals since Kyler Murray and Coach Cliff Kingsbury arrived is good to great start, and then it all falls apart down the stretch. And that's been the Cliff can't finish narrative. We've got the graphic that shows his 10 years as a head coach back to Texas Tech and then capped off with Arizona. Starts off good to great, ends horribly. That's what has to end this year to prove that they did the right thing in keeping Kingsbury and extending Kyler Murray. But you're right. There it is. Thank you. Right on cue. Cliff can't finish. Sorry, Cliff, but your record is, or you are, what? what's the Parcells thing? You are what your record says you are. So that's what's happened. That's his 10 years experience as a coach. Nine years. This is year 10. 2013 to 2021. Good to great start. And then, God, what happens down the stretch? And for Murray, hey, look. That ankle that he injured week eight Thursday night against the Packers, I don't think it was ever right again. I don't doubt that. I hear you. And that playoff game was a debacle because he couldn't run. He couldn't run. And if you take away the mobility, he shrinks six inches. He just looks small and helpless when he can't motor away like the roadrunner. No, I mean, hey, I I don't doubt that. Uh, the ankle wasn't 100%, and maybe he couldn't run to the full capacity that we know Kyler Murray can, which is, you know, three rockets up his butt, turn the corner, run for 60 yards. I don't doubt that, you know, but but I, but I do think there's some flaws there that I think got to be answered to your point with him and Cliff Kingsbury. You know, I think the big thing is whether we want to talk about the injury or whatever else, what we've seen the last two years is especially – is, yeah, a team that's talented, a team that's early on when momentum's good and, hey, teams are figuring out their offense, as we've talked about so much. Hey, they're great. They're fun to watch. It's lots of big plays. But right now, at this point, going into the 2022 season here, we have yet to have them answer the question, can they win against big-time playoff-type teams? Can they win in playoff-caliber type of football? And I think that's the big question. You know, okay, when things aren't loose and, hey, we're throwing it all around and nobody's got a hold on our offense, that's great. But what we've seen is when people kind of get a feel for that and seem to have get a feel for the running quarterback, and I don't know if it's later in the year where maybe Kyler Murray gets slower too and gets a little worn down because of size, that to me is the big question. You know, can they win those type of games? Oh, man, we're not high-flying here, but we've got to be gritty and tough, and we somehow find a way to gut it out and do it. I think that's what you're referring to a little bit about both guys that has to be answered for, you know, hey, the type of money and the team they want to be. Now, the other side of the coin is when you consider how bad the Cardinals were, how empty the roster was Mm -hmm. when Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray arrived. I mean, that was the argument on the other side of this. Yes, they've had bad finishes, but they've had great starts. Right. The the Cardinals before who cares? Kingsbury and Kyler arrived was bad start, worst finish. Right. 
They were just horrible. They were horrendous. That's why they were in position to have the first overall pick in the 2019 draft. It's why they threw Josh Rosen overboard after one year. They could get Kyler Murray. Forget trying to make it work with Rosen, the guy they traded up to number 10 to get. We can get Kyler Murray. We're going to get Kyler Murray, and off we go. And they are relevant. That, that's, that's the bottom line, probably the most important thing. One team wins the Super Bowl. Yeah. 31 teams don't. For the 31 teams that don't and won't, the question is, how relevant were you to the conversation that resulted in the two teams that make it and the one team that wins it? You just want to be relevant. If you can be relevant, your stadium's going to be full. People are going to buy your jerseys. You're going to be a team that pops up on national TV. It's two straight years of the Cardinals on Christmas Day. Yeah, sure. Right? That doesn't happen without Kyler Murray. So it's a pass-fail type of a thing. For the young quarterbacks. you And we all know it. There's no maybe. You know it when you see it. And Kyler Murray is it. He's on the right side of it. Daniel Jones, we don't know. We probably think no. If, he, if, it's a, if it happens, yes, it's going to be a hell of a year for Daniel Jones to get there. Because right now, he's in the no category. Murray is clearly in the yes category. And that's why he got the contract. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, hey, he's, he's, he's a baller. He is. It's just you're going to have to answer some of those questions that we've talked about. But, yes, relevant and, and even more than relevant, you know, relevant plus. Like, I would say your Vikings are relevant, right? Like, there in Arizona, there's a little bit more than that. I, I think because of Kyler Murray is what we're talking about. I think that's what we're getting to. It's, it's relevant plus. It's like, oh, wait, wait, oh, oh, oh wait, they're, they're good. Yeah, they're, they're in the playoff picture can they, are they good enough to make a run? Can Kyler catch on fire and carry them and make a run? Can they be that kind of team? I mean, I think that's the type of potential he has. And I think that's what we're kind of disappointed with the last two years. You know? And then, of course, this year, because it's, it's been the same theme that we've seen. And they're going to have to deal with that until they win some games in, in that tough part of the schedule or the end of the season. But I got no problem with the money they paid Kyler Murray. And honestly... You know, I, I don't know. The contract's good, like you said. Uh, I wasn't blown away with it. I was, I was wondering what it might look like. I was, I was almost a little bit like, man, are we going to see something like crazy special here? So I think it was somewhat team-friendly and good for Kyler Murray, and now they can move on. Look, definitely team-friendly yeah. because he's signed for seven years. It goes through 2028. Now, as a practical matter – if the deal becomes obsolete in three or four years, I suspect Kyler Murray will find a way to communicate his displeasure and desire for a new contract. There are over $9 million tied to him participating in the offseason program because they realize when the guy's not happy with where things are, he's not going to show up for the offseason program. So yeah. they give him huge incentives. Right. It's $1 million next year, $1 million the year after that, and then it kicks into like $1.8 million per year incentive for him well, to show up for the offseason program. Well, so yeah. there are little things like that. There's a training camp bonus of $2 million the last year. They probably should have done it the last three years because by the time you get to 2028, he already will have had a new deal. I think by 2025, 26, that's when he's going to start jostling because – one thing we are seeing, and as the cap goes up, this is going to happen, and the cap is going to go up and up and up and up. These quarterback deals are going to keep going up and up, and guys that aren't even in the NFL yet are going to be making more money than Kyler Murray. And they're going to look around, the guys who have the contracts, and say, what the hell? That's why I continue to advocate 
for percentage of the cap. Then yeah. if you're going to do a seven-year deal, you need to be protected against the cap going haywire, and you need something more than just, oh, they'll take care of me at the yeah. appropriate time. Right. Will they? Will they? Probably not. You're signing your rights over to them. You're hoping that they'll take care of you. Now, you may have to – You may have to. The, the wheel may have to squeak if you want to do it, and that's what he did this year. We saw that he'll do it. He did it. They say everything's fine now. He was a squeaky wheel. That was what was going on in February and March and April. And he may have to do it again in a few years. Yeah. Seven years in this climate with what the market is doing, the money that's dumping into the NFL's coffers, the cap going up. I, he's not going to play out this seven I years. wouldn't think so. No, exactly right. I wouldn't think so. You know, if, if everything goes the way it's been going, where he's continued to grow and get better every year, and, you know, like we talked about, definitely in the top ten conversation – and for me, had years, you know, I, I would say two years ago, you know, it was just outside the top five that way. So, yeah, I'm with you, Mike. I don't think there's any way he sees the, the full life of this contract. At some point, it's going to expire. And with all the talent we see in the league, you know, right now, people coming, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, guys like that haven't got. Yes, it's not going to be that impressive, you know, as the years go by here. And the other thing, Mike, I was going to say, too, to me that just uh, I'm glad you brought it up because I had forgot about it. Hey, I, uh, you know, the off-season money tied into the contract, I, I think that's going to continue to be a thing teams do. Because why? Why? Because teams are starting to – they're telling you it's important for the quarterback to be there, like the conversation we had, you know, about Lamar and Kyler Murray. It's not just about, yes, the quarterback's here and the coach feels good because he's coaching his quarterback. It's the ripple effects that we talked about so much that just go through the rest of the football team. It makes everybody want to go there. Oh, wait, Kyler's there? Okay, yep, I'll, I'll be there tomorrow. I'm, I'm coming in tomorrow. I'm flying in tomorrow. That, I mean, that's what happens. And then, you know, it adds energy in practice and then workouts and all of that. It's important that way. And that's where I just, you know, I, I, I think it's ridiculous when people think offseason's not important. It is. It's important to these coaches, and it's important to the success of the team. Our colleague Peter King made the point last week that the comings and goings of quarterbacks in May and June don't matter if you've got a three-game losing streak in November. Nobody's going to talk about it. And I agree with that. But yeah. the problem is September. November doesn't matter if you start off one and three because you spent way too much time in training camp doing stuff. I almost said the other word, and I inevitably will, that you otherwise would have done during the offseason program. If you're behind the curve – this week, when everybody shows up, you're at a disadvantage. And if your starting quarterback was, was AWOL for the entirety of the OTAs, you are at a disadvantage in comparison to the teams where the quarterback's been there and locked in. I, I, I think so, 100%. I mean, my experience of playing in the NFL would, would say that, well, whether it's my dad, you know, his career, and I think just talking to smart football coaches throughout the league, I think they would tell you that, you know, there is something to, wow, we had a good offseason, we had a good OTAs, we had a good mini camp, and then that also now flies into training camp and we hit the ground running, and oh, wait, now we had a good year on, this, on the field during the season. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, of course, of course it is. Yes, can guys like Rodgers and Brady get away with it? Yeah, at this point of their career and all that? Sure. All right, they can, but it doesn't necessarily always mean it's the best for the team. I mean, I don't think what Rodgers did this offseason was best for the team. Brady, he's, he's been there. He's having workouts. He's doing that stuff. Why? 
because he thinks it's important. He's been around enough to know, eh, I kind of need to be there. It's kind of good for the quarterback. Something tells me those six Super Bowls I won at the other place, we kind of did the stuff, and it's important. And I think that's where you're going to see this push from teams to, to get these quarterbacks in there more and more. As a wise man once said, this is why you lift all them weights. <laughs> yes, You right. lift all them weights in April, May, and June. The team that had more guys in there lifting weights and getting ready, they're going to be in a better position to hit the ground, not running but sprinting when camp arrives and then when the regular season arrives. And just six weeks and three days from the first game, the Buffalo Bills at the Los Angeles Rams Ooh, to kick baby. off the 2022 20, season. Here's Kyler Murray from Friday talking about the question of whether or not he possibly would have left the Arizona Cardinals because it did look a little dicey early in the offseason when he was trying to get the team's attention. Now that they have found their agreement for seven total years, here's Murray talking about whether he ever thought he would end up somewhere else. Kyler, you, you were talking about the good days and the bad days through all this, and obviously this is a good day, but what were the bad days like? Did you were you did you think about going to other teams? I mean, was there ever a point you thought you might not be a Cardinal? Never. Um, no, this is this is where I want to be. Uh, I made that you know, I uh, made that clear. You know, more so the bad days. I'm talking about the, just the negativity of taking the heat. You know, throughout social media and all that stuff. Um, which you know, I, I give him I give him a little crap for because he put a lot of it on me. But uh, no, nah, I mean, I, you know, y'all know. I, I usually you know I'm a quiet dude when it comes to social media and stuff like that. So um, just to be able to you know sit there and you know take all the shots and stuff like that. It, you know, it is what it is. But I understood. You know, uh, this, this is part of the business. Um, obviously, you know, I let them take care of what they need to take care of. I just, you know, I, I love the game of football, and that's, you know, that's, that's my, uh, my goal is, like I said, to win championships. Look, that's great. And it was a celebratory day. I, I would have liked to have heard how he responded to a question that was specifically tied to the Chris Mortensen report from Super Bowl Sunday when words like immature were used in response to Kyler Murray immature what else finger pointing self-centered what was your reaction Kyler when you're settling in to watch the Super Bowl as the Bengals and the Rams are getting ready to play you're like what the hell why am I getting dragged into this I got one of the top insiders in the history of NFL sports media citing unnamed sources saying I'm self-centered immature and a finger pointer what the hell did I do I'd love to know what he thought that day yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure that's a little bit of what he's talking about. I'm sure he's a little, you know, pissed off about it. Sorry, London. You know, we're back here on July 25th. But, yeah, I, I you know, but at the same time, you know, there are those rumors there that are there, and maybe there's some people in that organization that feel that way or, or players that have, you know, been there and left that, that feel that way. But it doesn't matter. I mean, again, none of these franchise quarterbacks are perfect in every which way. And yes, he is young, but he's still got like the majority of the qualities like we've talked about to where you go, no, we, we want to sign him up. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, I think he did a good job of not responding to the noise that was out there. I, I respect him for that, realizing that, hey, there's going to be talk. And I don't know, Mike, what also I want to say is, you know, I didn't feel like anybody got too critical on Kyler Murray during this, this, uh, you know, off season. Do you? I didn't feel like people were on him. I think a lot of people understood the position that he had and with the contract and everything like that. At least it didn't feel like that from the outside looking in. 
But he is a very polarizing figure. As he you is. said, there are plenty of teams that just wouldn't want him because he's not tall enough in the estimation of those coaches. The, the guy that we quoted a little bit ago, this is why you lift all them weights, Bill Parcells, he would have wanted nothing to do I wouldn't think with so. Kyler Murray right. at quarterback. Right. He didn't want him too tall, but he also didn't want him too short. Right. He, had a, he had a range. He had a sweet spot in quarterback height, and plenty of teams would not have gone for Kyler Murray. And, you know, that that's an interesting point too, Chris, because – I think a lot of what happened in February and March and right up until just before the draft when the Cardinals said publicly we're not trading Kyler Murray and that's when it pivoted to we just wait for the puff of white smoke showing that they've done a deal and we expected a deal would get done. I thought that just nobody made a beeline to try to trade for him. You had the Denver Broncos. They went for Russell Wilson, right? You had the Browns. They made the play for Deshaun Watson. There was never a sense that anyone was actively trying to pry Kyler Murray away from the Cardinals, but here's a problem. Here's a problem. And I part of what I was doing in the run up to the actual completion of the contract was trying to figure out where things stood. Where is this going to go? Is he going to hold in, hold out? Is there a chance that this is kind of like that awkwardness with Russell Wilson where we felt it was inevitable he was going to leave even though people were saying we were crazy for suggesting he was going to leave. We knew this was coming for years before yeah, it happened. Right. Like where are we on this? And my and look, you know nobody made like the full court press cuz the Cardinals weren't going to trade him. No. I think if the Cardinals would have let him go, there would have been teams that were willing to make the move. I think so. But th- this is this is the other side of what we've seen this year when Tyree Kill wants more than the Chiefs want to pay, so they trade him. A.J. Brown wants more than the Titans want to pay, so they trade him. Devontae Adams wants to leave for the Raiders, and the Packers let him go. The Cardinals weren't letting him go. That was the bottom line. They were not letting him go, so it doesn't matter. It's the exact opposite of the Texans, who couldn't wait to move on from Deshaun Watson the Cardinals weren't letting him go, so it didn't matter if somebody else was interested. No, it, it did not matter. You're right. You can't let him go. You can't. Like, we started off the segment. You just, you just can't let that guy go and then go, well, we'll find another one. Yeah, right. What? You don't know that. Uh, you could be stuck in a 10-year a period of, you know, a bunch of crap at quarterback. 12-year period, 20-year period. You got something right now. You drafted him number one overall. Go for it. So that, that's where it's great. And, and, you know, to your point, too, you're right. They weren't going to let him go. You know, it was uh, – uh, there were some other quarterbacks out there, certainly. And I think that's – again, it speaks to where we are with Kyler Murray, I think, as a whole when we just talk about big picture. He's still a little bit of an unproven commodity. Teams are – you know, like, we, like you just said, there's going to be some teams that are scared of him. Can you really win with a quarterback that size, playing that style of football? I don't know. You know, can he do it against, you know, the really big physical defenses in the playoffs when they're really honed in, you know, on the scheme and they understand how to stop a running quarterback from running too much? Can he do it? There's still, I think, people in the league that, you know, for a quarterback like Kyler Murray, they're not going to touch it until they see it proven. And that's where, you know, this year there was a few other guys out there that were more proven commodities. And I think that's maybe why people weren't banging down the door. Rodgers, Russell Wilson. You know, even Deshaun Watson, we've seen him take some lesser teams into the playoffs to where, yeah, there was a few guys out there this year that are pretty damn special, and uh, that probably affected, you know, teams from being too aggressive with him as well, like you're saying. 
And that's really the crux of the challenge for Cliff Kingsbury. As the Hard Knocks cameras invade the facility for the in-season edition on HBO, everyone will be paying attention to how the Cardinals pivot as the season unfolds, as people begin to figure out what you're doing. There's no question they're going to be working hard. The question is, are they working smart? Are they doing the things necessary to stay ahead of what they expect defenses to do based upon the things they've already done. It's that year-long chess match that culminates in having the right calls at the right time when the defense expects something else with the season on the line. What are you going to do? Or do you have a guy who can step up and, and make right. something happen? That's exactly Even if right. the defense right. knows exactly what you're going to do, they've completely diagnosed it, but it doesn't matter because right. your guy's still going to make his play. That's right. Like Matthew Stafford. Just think about him in the, the Super Bowl. Oh, not, you know, hey, it's they're going to Cooper Cup. Nobody else is out there. They're going to throw to Cooper Cup. What's he going to do? Oh, he's going to stand in there and get hit and make throw after throw and no look, throw it down the middle. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. I think it's those type of plays that we've yet to see you know, Kyler Murray do in the important times of the year. And I think we all know or think he can do it. Um, the team's got to help him a little bit, and he's got to you know, improve some things within the pocket play with pressure on him and all that stuff as well. Kingsbury appeared last week on the Dave Pash podcast. We talked about the criticism that Kyler Murray gets. Here's Kingsbury addressing that topic. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, everybody's going to have their, their own opinion. But um, the kid, like I said, he shows up every day. He, he came to the worst team in football and the worst offense by far, you know, that, that had occurred in a long time in this league. And all he's done is improve every year. He's improved the organization. He's improved the team. Um, and because he doesn't smile and wave at the camera every day, all of a sudden he's this, this villain and never got in trouble off the field. You've never heard one bad thing about him off the field, negative towards any person in the building. Um, and so at times, I think, like I said, there's, there's certain aspects to him that, that draw that criticism. But uh, we're thrilled. The, the progress he's made and where this thing's heading and, and I know he's excited about this upcoming season. And you see the market for these quarterbacks and what guys are getting paid and um, there's very few, you line up every Sunday and you say we got a chance and, and our guy is one of those that gives you a chance every Sunday and at his best, you know, I don't know who's better in this league. And you know, to amplify the point that Kingsbury was making, not everybody who sets foot in the NFL is gregarious and smiling all the time and over the top and trying to entertain. And, you know, some guys are shy and quiet and reserved. And that's always been my impression of Kyler Murray. Yeah. He's a kid. Right. He, his, he is wired in a way that he doesn't try to make some big show away from the field, that he isn't comfortable with the, the over the top gestures and, and all the things that yeah. will play to the crowd. Right. right. The the goofy stuff that will get the crowd excited. He just is who he is. And, you know, it's it's not a negative thing. He no. just is who he is. And and not everybody is gonna flock to that thing that that we want as part of the overall entertainment. We we not only want to watch a football game that entertains us, we want the players to entertain us when they're not playing, and that's just not who he is. He's no. going to do his talking on the field. No, that's right. Not everybody's that way. It doesn't matter. You can still win Super Bowls and be a star and not have to be that way. 
I mean, Eli Manning. Matthew Stafford's that way. Well, that's what I mean. Eli Manning boo. wasn't necessarily like this guy that was, you know, motivating the, the team on the sideline, but it, it didn't matter. Everybody knew he was ready to go. He was the leader of the team, and when the big moments came, he led them, and they won two Super Bowls. And there's a bunch of other quarterbacks that could go that way too. I mean, damn, my dad, I, I think you could probably put him in that category. You know, he maybe had a few more MFs than an Eli Manning on the sidelines or whatever else, but still, same thing. You don't, not everybody is, you know, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. Hey, they're special that way. We know that. You know, but I will say it's cool to be that, but I do think that's still part of the overall, we'd like to see Kyler Murray a little bit better, right? We heard Sean McVay admit that there's a little more shit in Matthew Stafford's neck, right? That was a direct quote, okay, from Sean McVay. I don't understand what that means. I know. And I, know. I think I'd go see a doctor. Yeah, well, I, I know. I really do think there's a wiring issue, but, but nevertheless. Yeah, but either way, I, you know, he's, he's saying he's got an edge about him. There's something there, you know, and I think with Kyler Murray, there is an edge, and we know he's ultra competitive. What we haven't seen is the next maybe phase or level of leading the team, right? There has been – you know, and even Cliff Kingsbury, he said it when he was talking about the villains. He goes, and, and then there's aspects about him that make people jump on. And I think what he was referring to are the aspects of sometimes some bad body language on the sideline, you know, and not just coming off the right way, not necessarily looking like the guy where you'd go, wait, lead this team. It is time for you to yell at somebody or point at somebody or maybe smile and be charismatic to make them loosen up or whatever that way. I think that's something he certainly can improve on a little bit as well. You know, I know he doesn't have to be crazy or Tom Brady, but he can improve on it. By the way, the official over-under for the first use of profanity on our first day back was 37 and a half minutes. Those of you that bet the over, congratulations, go cash your ticket. And I couldn't help but wonder, when you talked about Phil having some MFs in him, I think net MFs used by him or directed at him. It's Bill Parcells' day here, the third Parcells (laughs) reference in our opening segment. I think that he heard more MFs from Parcells than he ever distributed to anybody else. Yeah, uh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. He he has a – I'm going to mess it up, but – he definitely got more than, than he gave out, that's for sure. I mean, Bill Parcells was a, one of the world leaders in MFs. And, you know, Dad, Dad will always – he always makes a comment, I'm going to butcher it because it's the first day back and I'm not hitting on all cylinders here myself. But, yeah, he, he basically called my dad effing Sims forever. Effing Sims. And, you know, like Dad makes – you know, I, I, I forgot my, my name began with a PH from all the years of hanging out with Bill Parcells. Um, I, you know, I may be known by that same first name in some quarters as well, but I digress. <laughs> Baltimore. Oh, what happens now? Yeah. Lamar Jackson. Those were the two guys we were paying attention to. And look, the Deshaun Watson deal. We haven't mentioned this yet. Deshaun Watson's deal. Five years, 230 million, every penny guaranteed at signing. It was a new threshold that was crossed for quarterbacks. You had owners that were pissed off at the Browns for doing this. So these next deals go a long way toward determining whether or not Watson is an aberration or the start of a trend. Well, we got another data point now. Kyler Murray had 103 million, not 230.1 million, 103 million fully guaranteed at signing, 160 million total guaranteed for injury. That is a a far lower guarantee than what Watson got. So Lamar Jackson representing himself, Chris, 
Look, I my first reaction after Josh Allen got his deal last year, I said Lamar Jackson should want this deal for himself. After Deshaun Watson got his deal, I said Lamar Jackson should want this deal for himself. When I saw the details of the deal last week that Kyler Murray did, and I'm not saying it's a bad deal, but I'm saying the Ravens should just give here Lamar here. Can we do this deal? here? Here we'll give you the Kyler Murray deal again. It's a good deal. It's a fair deal. But I think this time around, the team should want that five years, $230.1 million, the way it's structured on top of the one year that's left under Lamar Jackson's rookie contract. I mean, you know, again, uh, this is one where it's just like, uh, hey, you got one. I mean, it's Lamar Jackson. He's special. He's special. You know, I, I know everybody is oh, very disappointed in Lamar Jackson that he hasn't won a Super Bowl already. People act like Super Bowls grow on trees, and they're like, oh, Lamar, you're talented. Just go get one. I mean, come on. I mean, Lamar Jackson, like, first off, is special. He is special. He's big time. He did not have his best year last year. But again, like Kyler Murray, and I think we can even add more to this, he is the Baltimore Ravens. He is. He's, you know, the lifeline. He's the leader of the football team, just like Kyler Murray, but even to a greater extent, they've built an offense and a scheme around Lamar Jackson that way. And uh, again, yes, you know, whatever you want to do, pay him. I don't know what it necessarily means contract-wise, but I will say that Lamar Jackson deserves a better contract than Kyler Murray. I will say that. There's no doubt. I think he's a, he's a better player, you know, and he's had a better career. As to this point, you know, and if you're going to give me a choice of one or the other right now, I'm going to take Lamar Jackson. So uh, I, I just hope this gets done at some point for Lamar Jackson's sake and for the Ravens sake, who I respect and they can, you know, get going and just move on with business. He did report for training camp early with the rookies. A lot of the teams have rookies and quarterbacks show up at the same time. Practice starts this week. And the real question is, will he practice without yeah. a contract? T.J. Watt last year, the highest profile hold-in. We have seen it more often under the new CBA. It's very expensive to hold out. Daily fines that for players who aren't under the first contract, they must be paid. There's no, there's no discretion the team can exercise. So the players show up, but they don't practice. And if I'm Lamar Jackson, I'm not inclined to practice until we get this resolved. But again, the impediment for both sides, for both sides, is the fact that there isn't an agent to smooth this over and get this done. And not even smooth it over, to rough it up. Yeah. You need to rough it up a yeah, little bit sure. Speed before you can smooth That's it over. Emergency, and, right. And, you know, some, some things need to be said that may not be delicate. And if you're the Ravens, you got to worry about potential damage to the relationship if you say things directly to Lamar Jackson that you otherwise would say directly to the agent. Because the agent understands that that's part of the negotiation. The team's going to point out the flaws. The team's going to try to push back. Yeah, but you're not this guy. You're not that guy. Look at this. Look at this. Look at the injury rates. Look at the look at the uh, uh, somebody broke down Lamar Jackson's stats every year, but his. MVP season, and they made the argument he's ordinary other than that year. I mean, you can't say that directly to Lamar Jackson if you have that analysis that you're using to try to pull down the number that the agent's trying to get. I, I've been saying this for over a year. He needs, he desperately needs an agent. Oh, you're just trying to help agents. I'm trying to help the kid. The kid needs an agent. 
He'd have a deal by now if he had an agent. And it's, it's, it's only going to continue this uncertainty as he deals directly with the team. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, agreed with you there. I mean, we talked about this a lot during the spring. Yeah, I mean, I, it is. That's where it's, it's, it's definitely one of the most intriguing stories in, in all of football right now just because you don't know where it's going to go because of that aspect. You're going, man, the front office people in a delicate contract situation where there is some things to – kind of avoid and go through here like you talked about there's Kyler Murray contract Aaron Rodgers Josh Allen Deshaun Watson where's the balance there and the front office has to talk you know like you said to to Lamar or I don't know if his mother gets involved in these conversations I know she's heavily involved in his life to where yeah those are that's hard to say if there's some some critical points you want to make I don't know what the fine line is too or where you know, if you're Lamar Jackson in that camp to where you're happy with the contract either because of the Deshaun Watson thing, because of the dumb Deshaun Watson contract by the Cleveland Browns. I'd like to just, you know, emphasize that one more time. But yeah, like that to me is like the big thing here is what's the what's the sweet spot? I heard you say what I, I want to make sure you or say it again for me. You said two hundred and thirty million plus just the one of like what he's got left here on the contract. Is that what you meant by that? Yeah. He's due to make $23 million this yeah. year under his fifth-year option. So six years total, $254 million or thereabouts. That, you, know, you, you give him an average of 46.2, so he's one click above Kyler Murray in new money average. Murray is a click above Deshaun Watson. Jackson gets a click above Kyler Murray. If I'm the Ravens, that's what I'm trying to sell. But like you said, Lamar Jackson can make the argument that he's worth even more than that. I know he definitely can. That's where it is tricky. Hey, for my money, he's every bit worthy of let you know being the guy where we go. Oh, he one upped you know the second place guy. We know Rodgers is number one right now with that deal and fifty million a year, but he's worthy of that. And everything we said about Kyler Murray stands true with Lamar Jackson, and even more so. I mean, again, he's special. Guys like this don't come around very often. You've built the team around him. He's got great leadership ability, and the team wants to play with him, and they respect him. We hear all the people that play against him that respect him. I know not every receiver in football is going to want to go play for Lamar Jackson in that offense. All right? Yeah. Okay, so what? You know, I, I, but, but still, there's so many positives there, and I just think, man, people just – Harp on the negatives, Lamar Jackson, a little too much for me. That, that's just the one thing that bothers me about it. You know, it's just like, oh, he should have waited. What about the playoffs? I don't know. What about he kicks ass every year as a quarterback? And his team is like more than relevant, but every year he's been a starting quarterback. It's like, whoa, are the Ravens one of the best teams in football? I don't know. That's, that's more than being relevant. They're a real deal. And then he's a guy that even last year with not the great year, Showed us a lot of ability to bring them back in the fourth quarter with his right arm, throwing football, making magic that way. So we've seen growth in that area. The team is built around the run game. So they can't be the best run team in football and then everybody think they're going to be the Patrick Mahomes pass team too. You can't do everything and be like, whoa, they would be the greatest offense in the history of football. And I just feel like I don't know what it is, but the expectation of Lamar Jackson sometime by the national media and everybody, I think it's just too critical and too harsh. It, it, it annoys me. He set me too a high of a bar. He yeah. set too high I of guess a bar too early in his career. Right. Maybe that's what it is, Mike. You might be right. You're, and then there's the, we, there's the Mahomes. He won a Super Bowl, and that adds more pressure to it. And I guess that's what it is. But I do think it's unfair. Well, if, if the litmus test is – 
you got to win a Super Bowl. One guy has been hogging them for the last 20 years. It's kind of hard for the other <laughs> yeah. quarterbacks right. to win many or any, as the case may be, if Tom Brady's walking around with seven in his pocket. One other point that I need to make, and yeah. they've suggested that we take a break, but hey, we're already back in midseason form when it comes to ignoring the suggestion to take a break. This issue of fully guaranteed contracts. Yeah. After Deshaun Watson did his deal, and it was a stupid, desperate play by the Browns to get back into the conversation after Deshaun said to them, no. before he said it to the Panthers, Saints, and Falcons, no, thank you, I'm not interested in playing for the Browns. They had pissed off Baker Mayfield. They had burned that bridge. They were desperate at that point. So they offer him five years, fully guaranteed $230 million, and it upset everybody. Steve Bashotti, the Ravens owner, one of the few to speak out about it because he knew that he was going to be next to have to do a fully guaranteed contract. One of the key ingredients in this, and I don't want to get too deep into the weeds, but it's important to understand how this works. There's an old rule on the books aimed at protecting the players against owners who may have run out of money. Back in the 70s and before that, you know, we're not sure who's going to have money and who's not going to have it to pay future guaranteed salary. So if you've got future guarantees, money has to be put in escrow to make sure it's there to pay those salaries. Today, you don't need that. The, the escrow is the TV money that shows up every year. Nobody's going out of business. Nobody's going broke. Everybody can afford to pay future guaranteed salaries. So they still have this requirement that the money be put in escrow. And quick example, Deshaun Watson's deal. I was told at the time it happened, by March 31 of next year, Jimmy Haslam, the owner of the team, has to put $169 million into escrow. So to put it into escrow, you got to have it. Well, it's one of the reasons why I believe Kyler Murray didn't get $230 million guaranteed. Michael Bidwell, the owner of the Cardinals, either doesn't have it or doesn't want to do it. Other owners either don't have it or they're not going to want to do it. Yeah, it's the That's going to be the thing that about. may break this yeah, trend. And right. Chris, I, hey, you mentioned Joe Burrow earlier, I think. I don't know. It's already been a long 52 minutes. Joe Burrow is going to be one of the next guys up. You think Mike Brown is going to write a check for $169 million to go sit in an account as the Joe Burrow contract unfolds? Hell no. Yeah. And I think I got a weird feeling. It's just a feeling. I've heard nothing to support this. Uh-oh. I keep advocating. I, I keep advocating for the contract that pays the player a percentage of the cap. I think Burrow's going to be the one to get it. I just think he's 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 going to be the one to be able to make the case. You know how he is. He can say anything and it makes sense. And we didn't get to it today. I'm, I'm sure we will before too long. The Patrick Mahomes contract, how grossly obsolete it already is, signed through 2031, and he's saying, oh, it doesn't matter. Well, it should matter. The way you protect yourself against getting jumped and jumped and jumped by this quarterback, this quarterback, this quarterback, is to tie what you're making to a percentage. That you're not hogging the money. You are taking... 17.345 cents of every dollar, no matter what the cap is. I'm leaving behind 82-plus cents of every dollar for other players. It, it's not total dollars. It's percentage of the cap, and I think Burrow's going to be the guy that pulls it off. I, I mean, I hear what you say. He's got, you know, hey, he's, he's changed their franchise. You know, he seems to be a pretty smart guy, you know, and understand that, but – Man, I think I'm gonna bet you he takes the Patrick Mahomes type of deal and takes a takes a takes a very very team friendly deal. 
I just I don't know why. I just feel like he's that kind of guy. I, I don't like disagree with some of the things. Not he selfish. Said. I know. Well, well yeah, you know, hey, he's not, not he's not totally selfish. Exactly right. But yeah, I, I I don't know. That'll be really interesting. Either way, they're gonna have to pay him a boatload of money. And either way, your point, yeah. That you know the the you know the a lot of these teams they don't have Stan Kroenke cash at their availability or David Tepper cash that is a real factor in the competitive balance of the NFL that I don't think the fans know about to your point and uh, I think it is real with the situation in these quarterbacks for sure or Rob Walton cash yeah right the right. new owner of the Denver Broncos as of August nine and I guarantee you this. The next contract that Russell Wilson signs with the Denver Broncos will be fully guaranteed every penny because he sneezes and $170 million flies into escrow. <laughs> this is the richest owner by far. I mean, David Tepper right now is the richest at a net worth of about $16.7 billion. $70 billion is the magic number for Rob Walton. And this is going to be a, a, a line of demarcation. The ultra-rich owners who will fully guarantee a five-year quarterback contract. Maybe that's what happens those here. those who won't because they can't. Yeah. I think that's the trend to watch. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's where, like, these, you know, you know maybe $5 billion is going to become chump change for owning a team in the NFL. Uh, maybe it is. Maybe we're going to see some of these ultra-ultra-wealthy you know, we think these 32 are oligarchs. Wait till you see the next 32 that come into line here. I mean, it's funny. Where, it could go that I, way. <laughs> they are expected to rubber stamp the purchase of the Broncos by Rob Walton when the owners convene in Minnesota on August 9th. But they may want to think this through. <laughs> the, the, the majority that can't compete financially with Rob Walton may want to ask themselves, do we really want to let this guy into the club? Uh, but then the danger is he'll just go buy a different club if you don't let him in. Um, that, that's, a, that's a different topic as well that has popped up in the five weeks we were off, the ability of someone else to just show up and make a competitor to the NFL. Rob Walton would be one of the few who could afford to fund it if he chose to do so. Let's go ahead and take a break. When we return, Devontae Adams kicked off his first camp with the Raiders, and he already has to clear up something he said about his new quarterback. We'll discuss that when this Monday edition of PFT Live continues right after. 